Hoops Adjacent is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. This app is simple, easy, and quick to navigate. It's an easy two-tap checkout. And there are not only just tickets to sports events, but also music and theater tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. What is it? Let's bring D.A. into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma Is. Jason on the Athletic Podcast. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and just like the bolts in his braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come on, we're friends, aren't we? And then he yeah. cut their lungs out and killed everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Hoops adjacent. Welcome to Hoop. Five, four, we have ignition. And welcome to another episode of Hoops Adjacent. I am David Aldridge. Waz Lambray is on assignment at an undisclosed location right now, so pinch hitting the Manny Mota of pinch hit co-hosts on the Athletic app and on theathletic.com. My man Marcus Thompson from San Francisco, from the Bay, from Oakland. Wherever you're from, Marcus, thank you for jumping in, man. I appreciate it. Man, why I got to be Manny Mota, though? But I'm just saying, because he's like the best pinch hitter of all time. See, I'm old, and that's what I, that's my recollection. <laughs> yeah. All right, who's a good pinch hitter now? I don't even know. <laughs> Oh, that means you got to watch baseball. Nah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not no seam head. I'm not pretending like I'd watch, you know, baseball every night. So I don't know who the good pinch hitters are now. Drop us a line uh, in the comments section if you leave us a review uh, of the of Hoops Adjacent on who good pinch hitters are these days. Old player who used to be good and you caught him at the end of his career. Yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, old, old that, that, that's, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's, that's, the that's, I am. that's Manny Mota. I'm telling you. You know who's the pitch hitter? Like the the best pitch hitter that comes to mind for me is uh is with the A's, Matt Stairs. Matt Stairs, that's a good Stairs one. Used to always come through in the clutch. I remember Matt Stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. I would say I would say Howie Kendrick for the Nationals, but he played a lot. You know, this year he wasn't just a pinch hitter. Yeah, but he wasn't a pinch hitter. He was like he, everything. He just played. Lenny Harris? <laughs> yes, I do. Lenny Harris. Let's go. I'm going with the black pitch hitter, Lenny Harris. There okay, you there you go. There you go. Lenny Harris was good. He played for the Mets. Played for a few teams over the years. I remember Lenny. Good, good, good hitter. Um, so I wanted to hit you, man, real quick. Uh, as we start, we're gonna have James Jones, the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, in a few minutes. Um, but I wanted to holler at you about the sports landscape in your area, the Bay Area, now that the Warriors are now just kind of like, you know, Joe Average or Joe Below Average now, because they took so much of the oxygen and attention in the Bay nationally, internationally for the last five years with their run. And now that they're, you know, kind of having to have this bad season through injuries and all kinds of different reasons – I just wondered from your from your standpoint, like, 
how does this impact the other teams in town? Because the 49ers are 8-1. and one. They just had their first loss. Uh, obviously, they have the, the pedigree from the Super Bowls back in the day. But which teams are, are going to kind of get more attention now, do you think, now that the Warriors maybe are a little bit on the downside? You know, this is all really interesting because m- much of the Bay Area, as far as sports fans, are like moths to a flame, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever team is hot. Like they go, there's this entrenched base, right, of diehards. Right. There's so many teams here, right? There's this entrenched, like you got the people that are going to ride with this team regardless. Like the 49ers probably have the largest, like, base of them all. All right. Uh, They call them the Niner Empire out here, whatever. Then (laughs) then the Giants is probably next. And then the Warriors came out of nowhere, just kind of like took over. Yeah. Yeah. The Warriors had its, like, entrenched base too, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they were even when they were losing. So there's this, like, at, once you get past the, like, diehards, yeah. there's this, like, mass of, like, casual fans yeah. that just basically hop, right? <laughs> that turn it from a nice crowd into a lit crowd. Right, like, right, so they right. can go right. wherever it is. And right now it's the 49ers, right? Right now wow. it's the team that, that was undefeated before that epic Monday night game. Right, right. But you, you can just see it, like, the, the crowd has and, and a lot of these people now have are, are you know people of means right right Sil- silicon valley they, they got bread they got the money to just be like yeah now we're sitting courtside at the at levi right 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 right, right. We're sitting courtside at chase so mm-hmm. that it, you because there's so many teams in the bay and because there's so much disposable income you kind of see this crowd just go and you know what's real interesting is the raiders yeah because the raiders who everybody thought would be trash in their final season in Oakland has turned out to be respectable. Right, and right, right. Yeah. Look at looking at their schedule. Right, they 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 should be seven and four mm-hmm. going into week, you know, thirteen. Right? right. Yeah. So it's like, all right, look, look at the Raiders. They right. might you got a playoff team brewing, but yeah. the difference is, unlike Levi, unlike Oracle Park where the Giants play, unlike the brand new, you know, sparkly Chase Center. Yeah. Will these same casual diehard, these casual fans that 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 trek around the bay for sports like a moth to a flame, and their disposable income, are they gonna dare go to the Coliseum? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> get, get, get the end zone they, seats. Is it gonna be hurt now? Where the tickets <laughs> is too high, people can't go because the Raiders are lit and Silicon Valley is now in the black hole. Right. I, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. So they're, they're, the attendance at, at the Raider games has been good all season. So the interesting part is the Raiders because they're seven and four, right? Or they should be seven and four. They got two cupcake games next, right? So out of nowhere. They're actually a respectable team fighting for a playoff spot. Right, right. Keep right. in mind, this was the team that had a five-game, six-week road trip in the NFL. Right. right. <laughs> they right. went to London. They were just like, oh, they played two weeks, just vagabonds, home, and then they went on like the the rodeo trip to Spurs goal. Right. <laughs> so everybody expected them to come back trash, and they came back middle of the pack. They yeah. won their last two, and now they got Cincinnati and the Jets. So they, they should be seven and four. Now they're the new hype team. Right. So. The the, the 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 interesting part is unlike Chase Center, which is sparkling and new. Yeah. Unlike Levi, which is still new, right? Right. And a nice place to be. 
you know, even uh, even though Oracle Park isn't new, it's still one of the crown jewel stadiums in baseball. Right, yeah. Will this same crowd <laughs> venture to the Coliseum? Jeff- will, will, will Silicon Valley take over the black hole? Right, right, I right. I don't think it's going to happen, though. What you think? I, I don't think. I think they're going to – somebody's going to get cut at the black hole. That's just all I'm saying. <laughs> That's going to be the end of that. But the but the attendance has been good, right, at, at Raider games this year? Uh, Raiders games have been lit like they haven't been in a long time. Okay, okay. Like, it's and you know this 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 is finally the final year. Yeah. If I if if I have to do another final game, yeah. let's go in a parking lot story. I'm gonna put somebody. <laughs> this year, I've done three of them. The right. last three years, is this the final? You know, this one is it. It really has been a party, though. It really has been there. It's been a vibe, and you could tell. You know what it feels like, Da? It feels like it feels like. House parties is going out of style, and this is the last house party. Right, right, right. Like everything is at the club now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the Coliseum is the last house party. Right. With your uncle DJ in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? The food is on the kitchen. Right. And right. you move the furniture out the way, and it's like a real low key house party that you used to love. Right. Them go now. Everybody go to the fancy club, but right. we still got one house party left. So even, so even though Mark Spears says boycott the Raiders, that's not happening this year. It's not. <laughs> it's crazy. It's not. That's awesome. And you would think people are like, I'm so tired of right. this team. Yeah, right. right. They, they're not. They're just like, but but like, keep in mind, without, I don't want to generalize, right? We like to say this is Oakland, but a lot of this is East Bay, right? There's right. a lot of Conquer, the Walnut Creek, yeah. and suburbs coming to the games. But generally speaking, this is the cheapest ticket in town. Okay, right? right. Generally speaking, this is more accessible. This is this is decisively more urban sure. and low key and chill. Like this is the grimy crowd, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's the crowd that's like, I mean, we ain't passing up a tailgate, right? So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I wrote this piece of a, a few years ago, but I, my family, I have like cousins, right? And right. Da, they are faithful huh? every yeah. game they got like the biggest part they got the like it here's how big it is da it mm. is that it is sponsored by hennessy <laughs> <laughs> of course it is <laughs> right the fried chicken is epic right, 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 it's right. The four, it's the four brothers tailgate right? right i wrote about but when you talk to them and when it's it, they're like a lot of the people there it's not about the raiders so much mm. like it's the one last place where it's really about the Raider fans. Yeah. Right? It's about the community. Sure. And I think they know this is the last time we're going to get to do this. Yeah. So yeah, sure. Forget Mark Davis. You know, they got the T-shirts out there, like, you know, this and Mark Davis and this and the Raiders, but that's not stopping the party. Right. right? You know what I'm saying? Right. So sure. I think that's the difference. You would think they'd be like, nah, they're leaving us. And they're like, all right, well, if we got 40s left, right. let's make it a wild four. <laughs> Let's get it in one more time before they shut us down, right? I understand you know that. What I'm saying? I do. No, no, I understand I that. that though. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I respect that. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me hit you real quick on Steph's hand, on Steph's uh, injury, and and you know, I love my boy Buker. That's my dude. Um, he he said he thought it might be longer, and I know the Warriors pushed back on that, and Steph pushed back on that. But let's let's talk about this from a different standpoint. Does it really make sense for him to play this year? It really doesn't, from my standpoint. What di- I mean, how does that make any sense with the way they're going? I mean, I'd rather him just heal up, 
get that get as good a pick as you can and keep it moving next year. But um, I, I suspect they're not going to do that. But what do you think? The only problem, uh, like, I'm with you 1,000%, right? And usually when teams start pushing back, it's because there's some truth there, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, if, if it's completely false, you'll get a call. It's total BS. Right, blah, right. Blah, blah, right. <laughs> they set up a press conference. Right. Like, you know? <laughs> it came back hard on that thing. <laughs> but here, the Warriors, here's the unique thing the Warriors are facing, right? Mm-hmm. They're in a brand new stadium. Right, right. That right. they're charging people a bunch of money. Right. Like crazy. Man. And look, people are already starting to feel it. Like yeah. then the Warriors played Portland mm-hmm. and the crowd, man, it was it was lit there, right? And right. we have been waiting for this chase moment because for years as we know this was coming, it was always can it ever be like Oracle? Will it ever be as loud as Oracle? Yada yada yada. And they beat Portland and it and it was in there. It was kind of hyper there. We were mm-hmm. like, yo. This is high, right? right, right, right. So I'll tell somebody like, "Yo, look at Chase, look at little Chase, all growing up, right?" Like, and uh, and somebody said, "Man, that's because ticket prices crashed when Steph went out, so it wasn't nothing but the Oracle crowd okay. in there anyway, right? It was all the people, <laughs> it was Everybody all the people who got priced out, <laughs> came across the bridge." I was the- like that. That was a great point. Tickets was forty dollars right. now, so it was like, oh, I can afford to go. Let's go. But like, if if you pay thirty five thousand for a seat license and then bought season tickets, yeah. and now them tickets worth forty dollars, like you probably hot about that. Yeah, so right, right. I think they have to keep hope alive, if nothing else. For like, it's just it's just a tough message to say. Yeah, we know we got a bunch of money from you, but this year don't count. Right? Like this is like <laughs> this is like preseason because right. they ain't gonna be like, well, "Here's your money back." They're not doing right, that. Right, right, so right. it's like, <laughs> let's keep hope alive that Steph will come. Yeah. Don't sell your tickets yet, right? right, right, like, right, right, we, right. We, we'll be good. <laughs> Clay will be back. Don't don't sell your tickets yet, right? We'll be do and, and that was that was like one of the problems, low key behind the scenes when they get blown out by the Clippers in the opener. And Steve Kerr is like, yo, this ain't a one-off. Right. Like, <laughs> They're like, Steve. It's like, Steve, chill, bro. Like, what did you do with? Like, you, the whole sales department, like, I rolled him to death. Like, come on. <laughs> like, we're trying to sell this thing. He's like, yo, this ain't, this going to happen again. Like, it's about to be rough out here in these streets. So, I think that's the only thing they got to deal with. Secondarily, I think. Steph, but Steph just cannot not play. Right, right. So I think Clay might be the same way. Clay mm-hmm. is at the games like courtside, you know. You know, he, he's not doing like, you know, Kevin Durant, when he got injured, you didn't see him that right, much. He right. was in just the back watching the game, yeah, yeah, yeah. he catch him in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Clay's courtside, like Clay <laughs> in the building, right? <laughs> These dudes are just wired differently. Yeah. I don't see how Steph can sit out. Right. I think at some point, like, he's going to walk through the tunnel. And just check into the game. Right? <laughs> if his hands feeling good, I can see him like I don't care what y'all saying. Right. I'm, I've been at home with three kids right. <laughs> for four months, right? Like I didn't I didn't see every cartoon. Right. I didn't, you know. And, he, and here's the crazy part: he can't play golf. Oh, so right. if there was one way right. that he could get through this, right? It was playing. He can't play golf. Right. Steph's Damn. gonna go stir crazy right. and be like, "Yo, I can't take any more of this." I'm about to go hit me some threes. I dare y'all stop me. <laughs> Who would stop him? Seriously. Who would say no to him? 
Bob Myers is the only one who probably could, but Bob yeah. Myers is like, look, I got kids too. Right. Like, I understand, Steph. <laughs> Why don't you go put you these warm like, on real quick? <laughs> right? Like, hey, can I play with you? Right. <laughs> I, these dudes, like, like Steph, Clay, and keep in mind, like, these are these are kids from uh, from Meads too, yeah. right? They yeah. didn't grow up poor. So it wasn't like they were trying to save their own family. Yeah. Like, they play out of love. Mm-hmm. Like it's for they could have done anything, sure, right? Sure. Like Steph shows you he could play golf. He could have played golf. Right. They love hoop. Yeah. They love it. So mm-hmm. I just I remember Steph when he was hurt, right? When he had the ankle stuff. And yeah. You know, like he was losing his mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. not playing. So it's only November, da. Like you telling me <laughs> come March, right. Steph? Like no, he's gonna be like. It's gonna be like a crackhead. His hair gonna be all messed up. He's gonna be all like chewing on his fingers, like scratching his neck. Like, can I get back in the game? (laughs) Oh my God, Steph's gonna be playing in the summer league. Steph's gonna be. Hey, and also, hey, don't sleep on that though. They do want to play Team USA. Uh, That's true. So it's like, oh yeah, let's get some shots up before Team USA. I need to get some game activity. And plus, like, how do they tell the Warriors? Like if you Steph and you Clay, yeah. yo, yeah, I know I didn't play all year, but uh, I'm going to Tokyo. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. So maybe that's why the Warriors don't want them to play all year. Like, right. yeah, we need to keep y'all out of Tokyo. Yeah. So that is really Ooh, that's, that's the, be interesting. That's the most impressive thing to me about both Steph and Clay. You know, because and it's no it's no criticism of either of them. I just couldn't believe the motivation level that they each had because you're right. They're both rich kids. They have, they have money. Their families were rich, you know, and they want to play. They really love to play and compete at the highest level. And whatever else you think of them, you better get that straight. First and foremost about those two guys, man. Can you imagine when times got hard and it was like, you know, practice was hard or you had to do homework. You had to get the grades yeah. and all that. Like, if I'm in their shoes, I'm like, man, forget this. I'm, right. about, to go, I'm about to go play my video game. Right, right. <laughs> I'll see you when I'm play. 26. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, if you hungry and home is a mess, you like, forget that. I'm about to stay out here and play. I don't right. want to go home. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but them jokers went to a nice home. Went to the nice screen. <laughs> <laughs> Two parents and everything, right? right? Like, you know what? what I'm saying? Got their own room. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> I sure would have been like, who you talking to, coach? What'd you say? Right. What? I'm out. I'm out. Them dudes was like, yeah, no, nah, all right, let's do it. Right. It's <laughs> let's play. It really is It's amazing. crazy. It's amazing. I, I have big respect for both of them for that. You know, I really do because they didn't have to be that way. And they are, you know, and that's uh, it's a tribute to to the mothers and the fathers for not letting them settle for being rich kids. And, I, you know, another guy like that, and nobody remembered is Bill Ambeer. I mean, Bill Ambeer's father was richer than most owners in the NBA back in the day, you know, and Bill didn't have any reason to be a great player. And yet he made himself into a great player. And so I've always respected him for that because there was nothing in his background that would suggest he had that type of competitiveness. And he made himself into a great player. And his father was rich, rich. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, it was, um, it was, it was telling. So I, I have big respect for guys like that. You know who else was like that? Uh, he would say he wasn't like that, but he was. was David Lee. Mm. David Lee's family. Well, right. He had a bunch of money. His grandfather. His grandfather, I think, invented pants hangers. What? Or something like that? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I did not yeah, know that. David Lee's grandfather was wealthy. Wow. Wealthy. 
St. Louis guy. And, uh, and you know, David Lee, I remember I wrote it. David Lee was like, my grandfather didn't give me any money. It's like, dude. <laughs> Come you on. talking to a poor kid. Come on, Come man. On, man. <laughs> like if you're like 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 y'all was like y'all was over in the kitchen with one pot of beans and grandfather was like, Yeah, no, nah, you ain't getting none of my money. <laughs> like I understand that it might not have touched your hands, but right. come on, bro. Exactly. Like, you know, if grandpa's had grandpa's was wealthy. So but it was kind of an edge for him, yeah. you know. It was he like had to prove himself, right? Yeah, yeah, you got something to prove. It's weird. Like I would think it would make you comfortable in a little sure. Sure. Like less, less. Like it would take the edge away, yeah. but for some dudes, it seems to give them the edge. No, because they, they have to overcome it. Is. Yeah, they have to overcome it because people think they're soft. People think they're not going. They're not going to compete when things get rough. You know, they're going to tap out, and and they have to show that they are tough. You know, mentally tough. So I get yeah, it. That's Steph, right? Yeah, that's his yeah. whole life. He was rich. He was light skinned. And he right. was small. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he had three strikes against him. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> Everybody was coming. Exactly. Exactly. So, no, big respect. Big respect. Have you had a long day at work, a tough day at school, still stuck at the office? Are you like Marcus who needs to go across the bay to cover the the Dubs game or the go across the bay to cover the the 49ers game or go wherever wherever, you know, Stanford is to cover the Cardinal? Are you like that? You need to treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Marcus, you you hungry? You want some DoorDash right now? Yo, I was just thinking about DoorDash, but I don't know, man. Like uh, Chipotle just feels like it ain't enough to DoorDash with, so it, I might go all out. I it, might go fancy at DoorDash. It, it, it is funny you mentioned Chipotle because Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory are among the many restaurants. There's 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities that have DoorDash connections to you and to your family. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. So don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code HOOPS. This is really easy. Hoops. H-O-O-P-S. Like the show's called Hoops Adjacent. Hoops. It's easy to remember. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code Hoops. I'm going to say this one more time because it says to say this one more time. Don't forget that's promo code Hoops for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to bring in James Jones, the GM of the Phoenix Suns, right after this. Welcome to Hoops and Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, James? I'm good. How's everything, man? Hey, man, I got a quick question before we start. Hey, the Jordan uh, 11s just dropped. Should I get them? Always. Like just now. Are you sure? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be fired with these? All right, done. Yeah. Sure. You, you better. Better now. better now than never. Right? Because they're going to be $1,000 tomorrow. I believe it. Believe it. When, when the first Jordan came out, you people paying $49 for them, no one would, would think that you're going to pay $200 for a replica. It's unbelievable. The comma is 
And joining us right now is the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, the, I should say, surprising Phoenix Suns, because that's what everybody else says. But I, I suspect you're not as surprised by it. James Jones, thank you for joining us, sir. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Man, uh, it's been... Uh, quite a start for y'all. A lot of things going on, good and bad. Let's start with the good. Um, you've had an incredible rise in in the numbers and some of the static terrestrial numbers. You were 28th in offensive rating last year, 29th in defensive rating. And so far through the first eh, 10, 15 percent of the season this year, you've your team's gone up to fourth in offensive rating and 13th in defensive rating. Which one is more impressive to you? Um, I think the defensive rating, um, you know, if you look at the guys that uh, we've acquired and uh, that we've added to our team, um, then come, you, you couple that with the guys that we did have, you know, Devin, DeAndre, um, you know, the guys coming in, no one really viewed them as defenders. You know, there was a question about our team and Devin's ability to play defense and his desire. And I think you see collectively as a group, you know, we have guys that are competitive and, you start making shots and the offense is flowing and, and you give yourself a chance to win games. Guys dig in defensively. So we've made a lot of progress on the defensive end. And I think that's what has allowed us to um, compete with the, the league's best on a nightly basis. James, what was the moment for you? Because I remember watching that Clippers game and, you know, I'm just watching the game, right? <laughs> Actually, I know I'm sitting up like, Yo, wait a second. <laughs> like the, sun, the Suns are good. Like, you know, the end of the game was riveting. I know you probably had a feeling, but when it, what was the moment where you were like, okay, we are actually pretty good? Well, it's, it's when when we started looking at, you know, you always you always want to start the game off with your starters. And every team usually feels really good about their starting unit. I mean, that's the, 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 the top of your roster. Uh, but when we started looking at the ability to match up Frank and Dario and, you know, Mikel and, and Cam Johnson and, and Kelly – we started looking at those combinations against the Clippers and, you know, you, you're watching and you're expecting the Clippers, you know, to have a, 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 an extreme advantage at some point because they have really good players. And and you look and you say, you know what, like defensively, our guys are pretty good. And mm-hmm. offensively, you know, they struggle to guard us. I think in that game, our guys realize, Hey, if we can defend on a defensive end and we move the ball with Ricky and Aaron and book and Kelly um, it'll be tar- hard for teams to guard us. And, and, and so it's, it's been good. It's been a lot of fun watching those guys realize just how good they are and how good they can be. Sometimes you can take more out of a good loss than a, than a kind of easy win. Obviously, the, the two big wins you've had so far are the Clippers and, and the 76ers, but you also had the one-point losses at Denver and against Utah. What did you take from those losses? Well, for us, it's everything counts. You know, Monty says it a lot. I truly believe it. Um, you don't lose or win those games in the last three minutes. You you lose or win those games in the first half. And, you know, the Denver game was, was I think, a good lesson for us. Uh, you know, Ricky got fouled shooting a full court three, and we sent it to overtime. We had chances to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were multiple blockouts. You know, there were multiple turnovers. You know, there were multiple missed opportunities to share the ball in the first half that probably changes the outlook of that game down the stretch. So, um, you know, if you win, a lot of times that can mask a lot of the fundamental issues that are, are present. And and so that was good for us because that also, you know, showed us we can play with those other teams, but 
also put us on notice that that we're not there yet and, and we have to be um we have to pay close attention to the details to give ourselves a chance and, and just giving ourselves a chance isn't good enough to beat the good teams when you think about like deandre ayton coming back into what you're building now into the just a new level of confidence and, and, and certainty. Do you think it's going to be difficult for him to, to make that adjustment? Do you think he'll be so excited and hop in and fit right in? Like, how do you think that's going to go when he does come back? I think it'll be a process. You know, I, I think there'll be uh, some instances where it's seamless and then there'll be challenges on the other side uh, because, you know, that's a long ways away, you know, 25 games quarter of your season. Um, you, you can start to form an identity as a unit um, or you can also lose identity as a unit. And and so I think it'll be a challenge for him. The, the biggest thing is game shape. You know, you can't simulate playing in, in games. You can't simulate uh, the stress, the atmosphere, the environment. Uh, but I, I'm confident, you know, just with our, our leadership, with Devin, with Ricky, with Aaron, uh, those guys are, are big boys and they can they can shoulder a lot of that pressure. I think they'll take it off of take the pressure off DA and he'll be able to come in and, and, and step right into uh, his role and, and fit because we, we miss him dearly. I mean, if you look at the struggles we've had, we just don't have that interior force, a guy that can, can operate down there and, uh, with force. And so we'll, we'll get him back and, and we'll be a better team once he gets here. Well, I wanted to talk to you about that. Obviously uh, you want to keep him attached to the team as best you can while he's out, right? I mean, you want him in meetings, you want him in, involved in with the other players, but how do you also, along with that, let him know exactly how disappointed you are in him? Well, the, I think if you, you talk to these guys, we've all been there. When you do something, when you're doing the things that you love, when it's taken away from you, uh, that's painful enough. And, and and so we keep him close. You know, I would say he's on a schedule um, he participates as if he, uh, just like everyone else, the only difference is, you know, let's just say at, at, at on game time, he's getting DNPs because he's not playing. And and that, you know, if you, you have a player that likes to play, you ask any player, they get a DNP. I mean, that's probably the worst thing you can do to a player. And so, um, but he, he understands, you know, because he's in those film sessions, you know, he's in practice, you know, he sees the, the pain and the hurt and the, um, you know, just a disappointment when we're in the next morning because uh, we missed him, you know, because we didn't have him. And I, I think when you're a guy like him who loves his teammates, who values his teammates, just to see them struggle and fight without you, um, you wear that. And, and he's been great with us. You know, he's been the, the one of the biggest cheerleaders uh, for, for Aaron, for Dario, for Frank, for uh, Czech Diallo, because he knows that those guys are holding him down while – why he's unavailable. And that's something that, you know, he, he, you know, he has to own up to and man up to. Um, and, and he's done that. You mentioned Aaron. And I think a lot of people around the league, when you got him, thought, um, this has to be a rental. This can't be for real. He doesn't want to be there. What, how did you approach it when you brought him in? And can you imagine your team without him right now? No, I mean, that's, that's why we, we, we pursued him and that's why we wanted him. That's why we thought he'd be great for us. Mm -hmm. um, did we expect him to, to start and play this many minutes? No, uh, but we did know that he had the capacity and the capability to do it. Yeah. And at that position with DeAndre, we wanted someone who could challenge him, who could push him, who could be um, a rock for us 
um, as DeAndre continued to to grow. Um, you know, we we understand that that position is a is a quarterback. We may only say a quarterback, but an anchor position for us. And we we know that Aaron can do it. And, and so we presented that opportunity for him to come compete, um, to be who he was, um, the winner that he is. Uh, was was what we wanted, and and he's been he's been phenomenal. Not just on the court, but if if you ask anyone, you know he approaches every day with the utmost professionalism, mm-hmm. and that's what we lacked as a team and as a franchise. We didn't have those types of guys in our building. You know who? I got to tell you, the the guy that really impresses me on this team is Kelly Oubre because I I, I really feel like he's talented. And he's crazy, and you need to like be able to blend that, right? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, how 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 are you how are you getting the best out of him? He's shooting a career high field goal percentage, like he's playing defense, and he seems to have that like that good balance of I'm gonna be wild, I'm going <laughs> for it, I'm gonna be relentless, but I'm not out of control. And sometimes he can get out of control. It seems like he's not getting out of control. I'm, I'm crediting all that to you, by the way. <laughs> no, no, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. But, I mean, I have to give our coaches and our players credit. Like, th- they're the ones that are down there uh, in the trenches every day. And and Kelly is, you know, Kelly's passionate. I tell people Kelly plays with his, his emotion, his passion on his sleeves. Um, he is, he's unique for us. And I think because of the way we assembled this team, uh, to a man, one through 15, everyone has a spot. Everyone has their place. Everyone's unique, um, and we don't replicate it. So what he brings, there's no one else on this team that can bring it. What Mikel brings, there's no one else that can bring that from a skill set and also from a, a personality, uh, from an individual substance standpoint. So Kelly's been great for us, and he, he's competitive. And I think by creating a, a more competitive environment, it makes him comfortable. You know, he, He's not one that likes to – like shy away from contact from visibility and that helps him be a better player because that's that's what he thrives i can only imagine you know how difficult last year was for the whole franchise on top of what had happened before you got there right but um how much was ownership um really pushing this summer to not just improve the team but but really bring in uh, the types of guys that could sustain winning while your young guys were growing? I mean, how, how big was the push there and how much, how did that organically kind of fit in with what you were going to do anyway? I mean, that was, that was the directive, you know, for, for the franchise, not just the team. I think a lot of times um, you lose sight, you know, we are playing basketball, we're the Phoenix Suns and, and we need to win games and we want to win games and we will win games. But it's bigger than just the team. It's the organization. It's the city. It's the fans. It's the community. And the one thing that we all agreed was that there wasn't a lot, a lot to be proud of um, organizationally. Uh, so we, we set out to make sure that regardless of the outcome, that the players, the coaches, the people that we brought into our environment, that they were the types of people, types of players, types of staff that you wanted to cheer for and get behind, um, regardless of what happens on the court. And I think we've done that. Uh, We wanted winners. We wanted guys with experience winning. Um, We wanted guys who had experience uh, fighting for and earning everything that they they had acquired and they had gotten. 
And and more importantly, we wanted guys that knew what it took and know what it takes to preserve and hold on to what you earn. And that was the difference. You know, we, we, we were young. We had a bunch of young guys who were yeah. gifted opportunities, gifted minutes. Um, and that just didn't, you know, that just didn't set right and didn't set a culture of competitiveness. And Monty's been great with rewarding guys for their efforts and their competition. And, and, and that speaks volumes to him and, and, and Robert and, and the guys that are making this happen. It was like Javon Carter is like the poster child for what you just described, right? Mm-hmm. Like that dude, he works, man. He, he, he just plays like he's never got anything for free in his life. Like never. <laughs> never got like no minutes. Like lunch or something, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, you couldn't give him something for free. Like right. if you tried to give him something for free, you slap it out of your hand and said, no, I want to take it. I want you to respect how I do it. Um, I want to earn it. And, you know, that's, that's the, that's the fabric of this team. Um, every guy here on this team right now wants to earn respect. Mm-hmm. They don't want anything given because they know if, if someone gives it to them, they can take it away just as easily. That dude don't even take birthday gifts, huh? He's just like, nah. <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, doesn't want it. They probably think he's trying to set him up. Like, what do you, what yeah, do you right? Like, get out of here. <laughs> we'll out. I, I think, I think what, you're, what you guys have been trying to do is, is the hardest thing to do in all of sports, which is, it, it, you know, rebuild with young players but make them understand that you can't just give them minutes you know it's it's the hardest thing to do to me because you know young guys that are high draft picks especially feel like they should play immediately or certainly their agents want them to play immediately for a lot of different reasons but how do you temper that with the idea that, you know, you have to understand what it means to be professional, what it means to prepare for a game and a season and to do it in the right way so that you don't you don't skip steps, as LeBron likes to say, and, and get to the result that everybody wants. Yeah, I would say it's, it's extremely difficult. And I mean, you'd have to probably look back. Um, I haven't. But if you look back in the league's history, I think it's extremely difficult, nearly impossible to build with young players. Yeah. You know, you're you're taking a 19-year-old who played six months of college um, against maybe the best college players and you thrust them into the NBA where they're going to play 82 games against the world's best players, some of them, you know, 10, 12, 14 years older and, and, and better. And to think that you'll be able to have lasting, sustainable success and that you'll be able to grow and build on a positive trajectory immediately or even within the first year is nearly impossible unless you have everything else from uh, a team dynamic, unless you have those veterans, those professionals, the great coaches. Uh, But the circumstances surrounding being able to get top talent like that probably means that you don't have a very good team. And if you don't have a very good team, how are you capable of building that environment for a young guy, making it conducive for that player to really maximize their development. You have to do what we did, which is flip it. You have to flip basically your entire roster, but that's tough because free agency, all these things have to fall in line. And that's just, that's that's just too, too tough of a gamble. It's really hard to replicate. You bring up an interesting point. And and I think you're uniquely perspective. You uniquely positioned to answer this because of your career. I was, I was listening to stack Jack and Matt Barnes talking about all these players who should be in the league. And when you really look at the numbers, like teams don't have OGs on the bench anymore. And like they're the the days of like even your team, I think Baines is the oldest, maybe Rubio. 
like no Rubio can't be 30. So maybe Baines is the oldest one, but like teams don't have the 35 year old Jawan Howard type that sits at the end of the bench. is just good in a locker room and is ready when you need him, but he's not really there to play. Is that something that's being lost? You think in the league where it's so young that there's no room for the old OG? It is. It has been lost. And I think that's been the trend. It's, it's usually, um, easier to get a young player to go and have a young team because you're afforded the projection, the potential you're afforded time for those guys to improve and get better. And if they don't, you're protected. Hey, you know what? I need 12 months. I need two years for this guy to develop. Um, whereas when you have veteran guys that know how to play, they actually hold you accountable because it becomes a conversation. This guy can help us right now. He can play. The young guy can't. You know, do we afford this young guy the opportunity? Do we gift him opportunities to develop? Or do we make him earn it? Well, if we make him earn it and he can't earn it, he's not good enough, is that a reflection on the player? Or is that a reflection on us in the front office? And so I think there are so many different dynamics at play. Um, but, yeah, the, the league's gotten younger, um, and the league has trended more towards potential. And, and I just think that the, at some point they've lost sight of, you know, guys have to have the capacity to do the things that we're asking them to do on a nightly basis because every night you're out there trying to win. James, when you were looking at Monty and you were evaluating whether to bring him in and hire him, who was especially illuminating about him that that brought information to you or perspective to you that really helped you make a make a decision to pull the trigger there? Well, um, well, I had a previous relationship with Monty, mm-hmm. so I, I knew him. I, I know how he operates. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, Monty's extremely direct. Like, what you see is what you get. Extremely genuine yeah. and real. Yeah. And when you are <laughs> when you are where we were um, and you're looking to do some drastic things and you have to have real hard conversations and look at yourself and your organization, look in the mirror and say, okay, these are our issues and our challenges, uh, you, you want to be – real and that's what stood out with monty you know tough questions he'd answer them he'd ask tough questions um and at the end of the day he had a desire to take on this challenge uh, you could just sense it you know with the initial conversations he financially he was fine from you know everything from yeah. his personal life to his professional life right um he had made choices and he was at a at a point where he could choose and he wanted to choose this type of challenge. And so right away, we just knew that, and I knew, um, what he says he's about, he will be about, and that's what we needed right now. We needed some consistency and uh, yeah. um, some some respect, some credibility. Body's the guy you just sit at his feet, huh? <laughs> learn from him. Like, he just seems like a guy you can just learn so much from, like his disposition and you know what he's been through in his life and what he's overcome. It just feels like a guy you could just sit and talk with him all day. Yeah, he can. He has, and he has wisdom, and that's uh, life wisdom and basketball wisdom, and that's what. That's why I think players love him. Um, you know, every player wants to get better. Like, you know, that's the most important thing for basketball players. How can I become a better basketball player? Mm-hmm. And if you can help me become a better person, um, that's that's amazing, and and that's where Monty excels. You you mentioned how how do players players asking about how they improve. Um, I, I was listening to an interview you did uh, last week where you said one of the things that was standing out to you was how Booker is more patient this year than he was last year. So how does that show up on the floor? I mean, well, I mean, you will still see it from time to time. 
<laughs> book can't get carried away. Yeah. He should rush out in transition and try to post anyone. He'd try to post the center if he could in the middle of the paint. <laughs> right. I mean, because he just he, – he, he's always – he's relentless, always looking for opportunities, always looking to push. And and if you watch uh, earlier in the season, you know, in the preseason, Devin wasn't really taking a lot of shots. He was patient, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how his teammates wanted to play. Where were the opportunities for his guys? And then where could he pick his spots? And and so it's been demonstrated in, in, in how he's attacked uh, the game offensively and defensively. If you if you see, uh, he starts games off defensively, taking a defensive challenge and, and allowing his teammates to carry the load offensively. Um, just being patient, saying, hey, let, let my guys get a rhythm. You know, let those guys get a flow. Eventually I'll get mine, but um, I'll let these guys eat first. And that's been the switch. Whereas last year, you could see there were some games Devin would come out and have 18, 20 points in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of the guys would kind of just float. Yeah. Uh, so he's made a conscious effort to incorporate himself defensively and incorporate his teammates offensively. And, and it's paid dividends for us. What is the biggest challenge when you have to manage suddenly different expectations, James. I mean, you know, you guys were also ran. People weren't paying attention to you. Now everybody's got you in the Western Conference Finals. So how do you how do you manage that? Whoa, wait a minute. We were we you know we were here, and now you got us here. How do you manage that? Not only with fans, but within your team, with your owner, you know, with with people around the t- around town. How do you manage that? I mean, you you keep you speak to it daily. You know that every every. Every, I mean, what, what Monty has done is he's, he's been extremely transparent with the guys. Every time you raise the bar, I'm going to set that as our new standard. And so we're, we're competitive. We're in games. We're shooting great percentages. We're sharing the ball. We're doing all these things that we can do um, because this is who we are. And that becomes the standard. And so we don't take the approach of, okay, hey, our expectations uh, externally, everyone figured we'd be you know, a bad team or this would be a transition year. No, we've proven uh, with all our work that we are a good team mm-hmm. and, and good team, good team as in defensively, offensively. So if we can't hold these numbers, we'll evaluate ourselves and say, okay, is it strategy right. or is it execution in the players and their effort? And so every day we're just focused on that, like continually trying to set a new standard. And at some point over the course of the season, 82 games, you get a, a true – gauge for who you are as a team mm-hmm. what you are uh, as a team and and then that becomes your standard but for right now it's you know every game we're, we're we're pressing and trying to tell our guys we're pressing to set a new standard uh with every performance uh, now you've been around so many good players right so many stars what do you see in Devin Booker that makes you think yeah he's up there and what does he need for what you see in, in order to take that next step um he like the disappointment bothers him, you know, if you understand what I mean, like certain players performances can like you have a good performance and you're satisfied. You know, Devin can have a, a great performance and his thing is always like, what could I have done better? You know, he has a, a poor performance. He's like, I needed to be better. Like this is on me. And, and, and it's not lip service, you know, because you watch the way he works, you watch the way you watch the way he approaches it, his mentality. He really, truly believes that it's all on him in a good way. Some of it's unrealistic. Sometimes you just can't control things. But he feels like as uh, the guy on this team that there's always something he could do better for the team. 
And and that's what, you know, has allowed him to be, be aware and be honest with himself and say, hey, I need to be better defensively. You know what? I need to stop playing hero ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to, you know, listen. You know, I need to sacrifice run for my teammates. So that that's what he has. He has that that inner desire um, and accountability, and that that that's the a base that's the basis, of the foundation that most great players uh, rely on when when they're trying to improve. So James, I gotta I have to tap into your your vast experience as a player and as an executive, um, as a former union guy. You've been around the superstar players all your life. You have been, uh, you are a friend, a personal friend of LeBron's. So. So I got to ask you this. Isn't this washed King stuff a whole bunch of BS? Like LeBron's <laughs> pretending like everybody said he's washed up. Like, no, who said that? Nobody said that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, look, whatever whatever he, Braun needs for to keep himself going, he'll use it. Um, yeah. I think at, at the end of the day, like, he's still a great player. Yes. Um, he'll go down as one of the greatest players ever. But, you know, I've been around him long enough to know that he'll find his own motivation. And right. if that's his motivation, more power to him. But um, they're, they're playing pretty well. Um, he, he, he'll be all right. So, in other words, <laughs> like like Michael Jordan, he makes shit up just yeah. <laughs> to get himself going. Man, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't say that, but I just I would say that. Just put it away. That's his – whatever he needs. He gets. <laughs> nah, man. You, you, you just, David. You just didn't see JBR seven zero seven two call him watch on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. It's literally he, he, he found one. It's literally a guy who doesn't have a last name. It's a bunch of numbers and and letters that after his name because <laughs> saying he's washed up. And I, it's funny. It's funny, James. I got into this with CJ McCollum last year because ESPN does this ranking every year of the top players in the league and one one through a hundred. And I was like, CJ. Why do you care what ESPN thinks about you? You're a professional basketball player. Like, you do this for a living. You know who the best players in the league are. Why do you care what a bunch of writers and broadcasters think about who the best players are? You know, and I still don't understand it. I really don't. <laughs> well, I, you just, because I always tell people we're human, right? And right. and at the same time, you know, we we talk about a lot of things in sports about, you know, a player's ability to character, you know, their, their, their ability to perform under pressure and, and guys are competitive. Yeah. You know, so when you're a player, you look at it and you're like, man, no, I'm better than that guy. How can, like, I have respect for that guy, but yeah. I just deep down inside believe I'm better. So every guy on the list, except number one mm-hmm. is upset with their rank. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. You, you, right. Could, you could be number two of 2000. Number two is like, he's not better than me. Like yeah. I should be number one. So, it's just that competitiveness that uh, that that's what makes it makes players great. I guess so, um, but it yeah. also sometimes rubs in the wrong. I don't way, mind but. it. I don't. I don't yeah. mind it. Right. Here's what I mind. I, I like it. Right. Here's what I mind. It's like I'm mad at you. You put that player ahead of me, but then I don't read or care what anybody else thinks. Like you can't. You can't have both sides. Right. Just cop to the fact that you read everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I read you. everything and I care. <laughs> no, it's like it's not that. I think it's more like. I don't care about every anything except that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> that, right. Like I don't care about any of it except that part of it, except right. this um, one thing, right? Yeah, this yeah. one, this one ranking. Yeah, right. just that. So. I got you. But it's all in fun. The, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is is um, 
you know, you were also you were very involved with the union when you were a player. I mean, you were vice president of the union. You were very much involved in negotiations with with the league over, you know, many years of lockouts and, and CBA negotiations. And I wonder much. Like, I mean, I, I'll say this. Michael Michael Jordan famously has said that he has a different perspective now as an owner than he did when he was a player. And he told Dave Poland, if you, you know, if you can't afford the team, sell it. Right. And I just wonder if your perspective has changed or evolved, let's put it that way, at all, being in a management capacity um, these last few years since you were a player and since you were involved with the union. Um, not not much. Mm-hmm. Not really. Um, because being a part of the union, I spent a lot of time focused on the overall game um, because the, the improvement and the growth of the game was beneficial for both sides yeah um you know like so I, I i think i have a different perspective because i spent so much time with the union mm-hmm. um but you know outside of like what i do know is from a player's perspective i didn't really appreciate how much work goes into the production of the game like yeah. growing the game right um and then on the management side um, I'm getting, a, I'm having a greater appreciation for the amount of time, energy, uh, work that the players have to put into their craft so that this relationship works. And so I have a greater respect for players now that I'm here and simultaneously have a greater respect for, for the NBA management side, uh, because they both work relentlessly, right. but just different ways. Yeah. No, when you were when you were considering making that transition, I know you did the interim role. Did you lean on uh, anyone, like to, you know, to to just get some wisdom about what you were getting into, or did you just go in there cold turkey, like, yo, I got this, I'm a baller? <laughs> no, I actually. So it's I, I don't have a single person uh, because when I did make this transition, I had um, executives, coaches, players. Um, current people in management positions, ex-management people who were previously in management positions. I just had an an outpouring of like support, guidance, text messages, emails, wisdom was just coming from everywhere. And so I was really just sitting back. Like I was blessed to be able to just pick through all of this wisdom from, uh, from so many basketball minds. And it just helped me like just have a greater appreciation, like I said, for the amount of work that goes in it on the basketball side, but then also the amount of work that goes on into it from the business side. James, last thing for me, because I know you all have a game tonight. I want to let you go, but this this has been awesome and I appreciate your time. But you being involved with the with the heat for so long, you obviously had daily interactions with Pat Riley and. I think Pat Riley and Jerry West are, are one in the same in that they're two old white guys that still have all the juice. It's amazing to me <laughs> how how young African-American athletes still resonate towards Riles and toward Jerry West. They still have they have cachet. Players listen to them. And I just wonder, over your years of, of seeing Riles, talking to him, interacting with him, what is it that allows him to still be that guy when he walks into a room? And he's in his 70s now. I mean, he hasn't played. He stopped playing 50 years ago, you know, 40 years ago, let's say. And, and guys are still like, yeah, I'm going to talk to Riles. That's Riles over there. And he still has that juice with people. It's because those guys, uh, like, Riles and Jerry West are the ultimate winners. 
And if you're a, if you're a, a real dude, if you're a real hooper, if you're a real player, you know, we compete to win. And, and when you see guys like Jerry and, and Pat and, and all they talk about is winning and all they talk about is championships and all they talk about is a championship level performance. They talk about being the best mm-hmm. and they were uh, a part of the best and they were the best. Like you're drawn to that. So regardless of where they come from, who they are, what their past experiences are, if you're a winner and you're a champion, um, that's what, what these NBA guys, that's what we chase because the money comes, you know, the success and fame is there. Um, but every guy wants that validation to be called a champion, be called right. a, be called a winner. And those guys are guys that can actually give you the blueprint recipe and some some wisdom because they've done it at a high level for a long time. And and that's why they're special mm-hmm. because you know you come away from a conversation with those two guys, I guarantee you you walk away talking about winning at something, life, business, basketball, family. Like it's going to be about winning. Yeah. James, man, this has been great, and I'm I'm so happy that things have turned uh, quickly for y'all this year in Phoenix, and so I wish you the the best of luck uh, the rest of the season, safe travels, and again, thank you for your time, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Let's do this again. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, James, uh, uh, James, anything you're trying to give Javon that he don't take, just go run that this way. I'll take all his free stuff that he don't want. <laughs> all right, how about I send you some bills? There you go. <laughs> Ain't that free about a bill? <laughs> all you have to do is put your email thanks. address. They'll send it to you. Right. It to you. Hey, you know <laughs> all right, thank you. Thank you, though. Man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. That was a great interview with James Jones. I'm very happy that we were able to get him uh, on the show today. But now I want to talk to you about sneakers. You ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Are you looking to add the Air Jordan 1 Fearless UNC Chicago to your rotation? Are you, Marcus? You know what? Yep. I'm I'm looking for the off-white Jordan 1s that are probably like $3,000 on StockX. Oh, my goodness. That's what I need. I'm looking for somebody to buy them for me, just to be clear. Actually, DA, I yes. have on the Pharrell Adidas NMD Heart Mind that I got off oh my right goodness. now. Well, the, see, this is this is the collection that they have. Maybe you're feeling nostalgic for a pair of Air Max 95s. You can find it all and more on StockX, sometimes for prices even lower than retail. StockX allows users to buy and sell pre-owned, excellent condition luxury handbags and watches from brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci, Rolex, Omega, Tudor, or more. StockX uses the same principles as the stock market to make buying and selling as safe and easy as possible. It provides real-time market data data for intelligent buying and selling and gives you access for tons of historical price data. You can see exactly how much an item is sold for in the past and how much it's selling for now. You want in on all the hype? Check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com slash bball. Check it out today.
So, Marcus, this was a great show. I'm very excited about having James on. I'm very excited about having you on. We had great, great chat today. Um, I appreciate you coming in, man. And anytime. Hey, hey why you ain't inviting me, man? Like, Are you it's invited? Been a while. I think I, the first episode, well, you disappeared on me. Just, you ghosted me. It's just that Waz, you know, Waz was kind of good. So we had to keep rolling with Waz for a minute. But, you know, we're going to work. We're going to work all the fellas in. You oh, one of the fellas. You said Waz better than me? I just said he, I don't, I don't, I just I said he was hot. Them rankings. He was I'm on the. Like <laughs> I got a problem with the ranking system. With the, with the co host rankings? It'll be out yeah. next week on theathletic.com. The co host rankings. You'll be a. Make and sure. Even though I agree Waz is better than me, I still got a problem with the rankings because I'm supposed to. I never said he was better than you. I just said young fella got hot. That's all. You ain't never. You've been on yeah. a hot streak. Hey. Hey, I know I what it's like to not be the favorite kid. I got it. It's cool. <laughs> Wait a minute. You've written every book in the Bay Area about every sports figure the last five years. Let somebody else have a little shine for a minute. Damn. Come on, man. So you saying I should turn down a Jimmy Garoppolo book? <laughs> no, I'm not. You got to take the paper when you can get it. I appreciate it, man. Man, thank you. And we will be back next week with another episode of Hoops Adjacent. So check us out on all of your podcast delivery systems where you find us. Leave a review. Tell them how great the show is so I and Marcus can make more money. Later. Hoops. The comma is adjacent.